Um, good evening, everybody. Um, really nice to be here with you. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Claire. Um, we moved to Guildford a couple of years ago uh, and joined Emmanuel. Um, because of lockdown, I feel like I'm only just getting to know a few of you, but it's, it's lovely to, to be able to do that now. Um, it's been such a funny time to join a new church. Um, so for those of you who don't know anything about me, I'm uh, married to Peter, who's... Um, Peter was a vicar in Woking at Christchurch for 17 years. Um, so when he left there, we obviously left Woking, have moved to Guildford, and he now works for the diocese. I work for Send Primary School, just up the A3, I'm a homeschool link worker, um, just kind of like a pastoral job looking after children and families who are struggling for whatever reason. Um, so yeah, so we've been here a couple of years and just starting to feel like we're putting some roots down now, which is really nice. Let me pray before we crack on with this passage. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your presence here with us. And we thank you this evening for your word. Thank you for this amazing story of amazing things that you did. And Lord, I pray that you would feed us in whatever way we need to be fed this evening. Thank you that you know each of our hearts. So we pray that our hearts would be soft as we listen to your words to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. So my husband, Peter, grew up in a, in a sailing family, not, sadly, not big yachts and that kind of sailing. He wasn't an oligarch. Um, he had a little dinghy. His family had a little dinghy. They used to go on, um, like, Christian sailing holidays on the Norfolk Broads. His dad used to lead them. So they were big, big sailors. And, and uh, when we met, I had never been in a boat, really, at all, apart from a cross-channel ferry, probably, was the only boat I'd been on. Um, and so, you know, he tried to persuade me to give it a go, um, and, and we did. We had a little dinghy down on the south coast in a little place called Hillhead. And when the children were little, we've got three children, um, we used to take them down there occasionally and sit on the beach and, and try and sail. Peter's a very good sailor, but none of the rest of us knew what to do. Um, and some days were glorious, I'll give you that. But there were a lot of days where we sat on a very cold beach, shivering. Um, the thing about sailing is you've got to have the right wind. In my book, you've got to have some sunshine. You've got to have the right tide. You've got to have a day free in the diary. And it, it's just, it just doesn't happen very often that it all comes together. So I think it was fair to say that I was a fair weather sailor, to, to put it mildly. I was definitely not a convert. Maybe in the Mediterranean with, you know, beautiful flat sea, I, I could probably do that. But yeah, I, I'm very much a fair weather sailor. And I think sometimes we can maybe approach our faith like that as well and our relationship with God like that too. So we can have a... Uh, oh, we're back. We can have a fair weather faith where we, which, you know, we can be excited about and embrace and, and um, you know, sing praise to God when, 
when life is calm and predictable and things are going well and it feels like God's hearing all our prayers and answering all our prayers um, and our plans succeed and it feels like God's on our side. We love those times, don't we? But then maybe the tide turns and the wind changes and it's gone a bit cold uh, and, and the wind's blowing against us and we can start to feel really confused. And, and we wonder, we wonder what's going on, what's God doing? And it often can feel like he's forgotten us and that he's not hearing our prayers at all. And if you're like me, you start to kind of feel a bit less inclined to spend time with God because you're feeling a bit angry with him maybe. We withdraw, we doubt and we wonder what we did wrong. And often, um, I guess, most of us might know people who have wandered away from faith at those times. Or even if they haven't gone all the way away, maybe it just kind of starts going through the motions and God doesn't feel as close as he used to. And we sang, we sang that song at the beginning, didn't we, about blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me. Yeah, we could all sing that. And we can all sing, actually, in church, blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place. You know, we can sing that with gusto and really mean it. But actually, when we're in the desert place, it's so much harder, so much harder. And there's so many things that can happen that can put us in those wilderness times, in those deserts. So many ways that our hopes can be dashed and we can be disappointed in life. Maybe it's a diagnosis that kind of changes everything in our lives. We know that there's, there's people in our church at the moment who are struggling with that. Maybe it's a betrayal by somebody that you trusted or a financial crisis, or loneliness, or the death of a loved one. Could be so many things. And we don't know how we're going to respond to those times kind of in the fire, in the furnace, if you like, until we're there. But there are some things we can do to prepare ourselves, because actually we will all be there at some time or another. Nobody gets through life without a furnace. That's something we can pretty much guarantee because the world we live in is broken. It's very obvious at the moment, isn't it? The world we live in is broken. And we have an enemy, the devil, who's out to steal and kill and destroy. So we're all gonna face furnaces. That's not in question. And this passage that we've read in Daniel 3 speaks right into this very question. How do we stay faithful to God? More than that, how do we stay committed and obedient and joyful through the good times and in the seasons in the furnace? So Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they were part of... Um, Israel, the nation of Israel, and they'd been taken into captivity by King Nebuchadnezzar, taken to Babylon, um, the capital, King Nebuchadnezzar's capital, a long, long way away from home in Jerusalem. 
So they're living, we've been thinking the last couple of weeks, we've been reading their stories. They're living in a foreign culture, they're getting used to strange ways of doing things, strange food to eat, strange habits. It's not at all like home for them. And with their friend Daniel, who actually doesn't appear in this chapter, they've been in Babylon for about three or four years by this time, and they've done really well, they're really good workers, Nebuchadnezzar's really pleased with them. And then Nebuchadnezzar decides to build this massive statue and ask everyone to bow down to it as a show of, of obedience to him and of unity for his kingdom. And Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego quietly but defiantly refuse to bow down to the statue. And that choice, as we heard in the story, lands them in front of this furnace and their lives are in very real and very immediate danger. And in um, verse 16, we're going to focus on this little paragraph, verse 16 to 18. We have this incredible response um, to the threat of death that we're going to focus on this evening. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. So this was no fair weather faith, was it? This was a very different even-if kind of faith. How do we develop an even-if faith as they had? So we're going to think about two things um, this evening. The first thing we're going to see from Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in how to deal with a difficult season facing the furnace is that they took the long view. They took the long view. They knew who their God was and they knew what he could do. They were full of faith, weren't they? They've seen him come through for them in chapters one and two. If you haven't read them, go home and read them. They're a great read as well. So they can say with incredible faith and incredible courage, the God we serve is able to and he will. That's incredible faith. They're confident of God's power, he's able to, and his goodness. He will. He wants to. And they're not going to renounce that faith, that courage, that confidence for the short-term temptation to bow down to this statue. There's a man called Admiral Jim Stockdale, and he was the highest-ranking American military officer um, in a prisoner of war camp in Vietnam known as the Hanoi Hilton. I don't think it was very Hilton-like. He was tortured over 20 times during his eight-year imprisonment during the Vietnam War. And he, he lived in this camp not knowing when he would be released, if he would be released, when the war would end. All that uncertainty. And not even knowing if he would survive to the end of the war. 
He was released in 1973 when he was 50, and he was asked in an interview how he had survived. And this was his answer. I never lost faith in the end of the story. I never lost faith in the end of the story, and I never doubted that I would get out. So in spite of the horror of his situation, he was able to take the long view and to look and to believe that he would be okay. He didn't lose faith in the end of the story. And what an incredibly important outlook for us as followers of Jesus, as it was for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They knew that their stance, their refusal to bow down to the king and to blend in with everyone else could, well, would result in their death. They didn't know the end of the story at this point. They hadn't done the Sunday school lesson on the fiery furnace and the fourth man who comes along. They had no idea. But they could say, even if he does not rescue us, we will not bow down. We won't take the easy way out. So our furnaces can seem overwhelming, can't they? And there's no denying the incredible pain of the situations that we may be facing now or may face in the future. And I don't want to minimize that at all because in the furnace, it is all consuming. But the furnace is never the end of the story. With Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we can state with even more certainty than they could that the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us because we know the end of the story, and it's a happy ending, by the way. Um, Jesus was raised from the dead, and we are going to share an eternity with him. That's the end of the story. That's where we keep our eyes on the long view. And I'm not talking about kind of pie in the sky when we die and a nice consolation because we've had a hard time in this life. No, it's not that at all. At the end, Jesus is going to restore to us everything that was lost in this life. And it will be so much better than we can imagine. A new heaven, new earth, joy, wholeness, health, tears will be gone and suffering will be wiped out. Everything will be made right. Even the worst things that have happened to us will be in some miraculous way taken up into this glory that is to come in such a way that they make the glory even better than it would have been because it was once broken. That's our hope. That's our story. In Revelation, the very last book of the Bible, we get this verse, he will wipe every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more and neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore for the former things have passed away. So how do we take the long view when the fire is hot and the pain is all-consuming? A Christian author I was reading this week 
said this, you can't control the way of the waves, but you can control the way of your sail. You can't control your furnaces, but you can control what you do in it. So how do we set our sails so that we keep our eyes on the long view? How do we keep looking up and looking forward when actually everything in us wants to look down and look around at our circumstances in those difficult times? I imagine you have got your own ways of helping you to do that. For me, some of the things that I find helpful um, listening to worship music, for me, really helps me just remember who God is and who I am in his presence. And that often totally changes my outlook and my perspective, as we were thinking about this morning, on my circumstances. Friends are really important. I, can't, I sometimes wonder, what, what would have happened if Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego hadn't all been together that day? If there'd just been one of them at that statue, I don't know, what would they have done? I feel like because they were together, there were three of them. I wonder if that made it easier for them to navigate that. So friends are important. And of course, the Bible gives us so much truth and so much um, to hold on to in those difficult times, like that verse I just read from Revelation. So that's the first thing. We take the long view when we're faced with a furnace. The second thing that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego did um, is that they also checked the rear view. They knew what God could do. They knew what he'd already done. They'd, they'd, they'd just lived through chapters one and two. And here they are about to be thrown into this impossibly hot fire, fully knowing that this would mean death for them in all likelihood. But still they're able to say, our God is able to save us and our God will save us. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to turn away from God when things get difficult. So what do we do when we pray, when we cry to God in faith, knowing very well that he can do what we ask him, and we're praying that he will do what we ask him, but then he doesn't do what we ask him. He doesn't answer our prayers how we intended him to. Maybe when things get worse, when sorrow piles on sorrow. Maybe we're awake at three o'clock in the morning and not sure how we're going to get through the next day. We know he can. We know he will. We pray he will. But even if he doesn't, how do we bear those furnaces in those moments? Well, what we need to do is check the rearview mirror. Don't we often ask in those times, oh, I wonder, I wonder if God's forgotten me. I wonder if he still loves me. I wonder if he cares. Why would he allow this? And the answer is unequivocally, yes, God cares. Yes, God cares. Because if we look in the rearview mirror, what do we see? We see the cross up there behind me. 
And when we see the cross, it reminds us that actually Jesus has been in the ultimate furnace. The ultimate furnace. He was separated from his heavenly father as he died on a cross. So that we would never need to doubt again whether he loved us or whether he'd forgotten us or whether he was with us. So we can look at our suffering, our furnaces, and see them all through the lens of God's love. He only loves us. There's nothing else. He loves us. He loves us. He loves us. And he's proven it once and for all. It's a settled thing. So what do we do with that confusion of what seems like God's deafness, his silence when we're praying? Maybe we're praying for healing. Maybe we're crying out to him for a prodigal child who has wandered away. Or for a change in whatever our circumstances. Or indeed for the ending of a war that we just can't see any reason for. There's a, a pastor in New York called Tim Keller. This is his perspective on this when, when it feels like God's not answering our prayers. He writes, We have the assurance that God, our Heavenly Father, always wants the best for his children. In short, God will either give us what we ask or give us what we would have asked if we knew everything that he knows. I love that. In short, God will either give us what we ask or give us what we would have asked if we knew everything that he knows. So checking the rearview mirror reminds us again of who God is. That he's a loving, saving, suffering Lord. And it reminds us who we are as his beloved children. And just as Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego needed to check the rearview mirror so they could stand firm before the furnace, so must we regularly. And sometimes we just need to stop and still ourselves. Um, I'm reminded of that verse, be still and know that I am God. It's in that stillness before God day after day, in good times and bad times, that we're reminded of the truth of who God is and who we are. And the thing is that pain often lies to us about those things, about who we are, about who God is. Pain lies about those things and we need to be still with God and let him remind us of the truth that we are deeply and forever loved. That's what the rearview mirror shows us. So, fair weather faith, or even if faith. How will we respond when those furnaces face us? Will we be able to take the long view, to remember that ultimately all will be well, and all will be well, and all manner of things shall be well. We know the end of the story. And will we check the rear view? 
remembering that God's love for us is not in doubt, even when we're in pain. So will we be like those, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who will have an even-if faith and not a fair-weather faith? We can't choose what furnaces we'll be walking through, but the guarantee is that there will be some. Some of them will be very fierce and very fiery. So I'd love for us just to take a moment as, as I close. I'd love us just to spend a few moments just in silence, being still before God. Just to allow God to remind you how much he loves you. Whether you are facing a furnace right now, maybe you're right in the middle of one, or whether actually things are pretty good. Either way, God wants to, to speak into our hearts. Maybe, maybe some of us have withdrawn from God a little bit because we've been in that furnace and it's painful. Maybe some of us have been wondering whether he loves us. So I just want to, to let him speak to us. And if you're in a good place and the furnaces seem a long way off, maybe you can resolve in your heart to have an even-if kind of faith rather than a fair-weather faith. So I'm just going to leave a few moments quiet and then I will pray. Uh, actually, I'm going to pray first and then we'll have a few moments quiet. Lord, thank you for your presence with us in the furnace, in the fire. And Lord, I pray that as we just still our hearts now, that you would come alongside each one of us and speak your words of grace and love and comfort to us. Would you come, Holy Spirit? In Jesus' name.
still and know that I am God. Thank you, Lord, that you speak to us in the stillness. Thank you that you calm the storms within us. <laughs> 